This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. And a guten Erev Shabbos. I'm Mashi Lipsker. This is 101.9 High FM. Delighted to be with you on this very special Erev Shabbos. Yes, it was Tisha B'Av this week, the saddest day of the entire year. Yes, we've just come from three weeks of national mourning. Where do we go from here? How does one move forward? Especially in the light of the concept that if the temple has not been rebuilt in your days, in my days, it is if it has been destroyed in my days. In fact, we're meant to look at the destruction as an ongoing present fact. And that, as the Rebbe explains, that the Rogachover gone says, if we haven't rebuilt the temple, we have to personally relate to it as if we haven't done enough. And the Rebbe explains that, God forbid, if we were standing there watching the temple go up in flames, what would we do? What would we do? We couldn't help but be moved and moved to action. And that we need to feel that way. It's not a matter of there's a period of three weeks, 21 days, starts with a fast, ends with a fast. Okay, we're done feeling sad. On with life. Let's put on the music. Times in which we can Please, God, celebrate weddings, wear new clothing, eat meat, drink wine, proceed with life, and kind of close our eyes and our ears and forget about what has happened. Yes, it's more than 1,900 years ago, close to 2,000 years ago. But the way a Jew needs to live is with the realization that if it hasn't been rebuilt in my time, it's as if it's been destroyed in my time, and I need to do all that I can to actually rebuild, to actually bring about that yearned-for era of peace for the universe, for all of mankind. And, of course, remembering that the name of the month is Menachem of comfort, the Father. And that this Shabbos has a double name. It's Shabbos Nachamu, but it's also the first week of the seven weeks of consolation. A period is launched now, after three weeks of mourning, into not just double consolation of six weeks, but we've got seven weeks where God consoles us. Menachem of, our Father consoles us. But that double nachamu, be comforted, also indicates that God comforts us, but we need to comfort God. Each one of us is hurting. Each one of us is not where we need to be. You know, when Mashiach comes, Hashem will be very popular. 
the world will be covered with the knowledge of God as the waters cover the ocean beds. Now he's not so popular. People blame him for everything. Why does he cause pain? Why does he cause tragedy? Why does God not do good things for good people? Why do bad things happen to good people? We aren't um, so happy all the time with the way God does things. When Mashiach comes, things will be clear. We will be comforted. But now, this seven-week period is a period of consolation. It's also a period of reconciliation. After seven weeks, it will be Rosh Hashanah. Can you imagine? Seven weeks to go, and it will be Yontif. So it's never too early to begin to prepare. Of course, when the month of Elul comes in, we will formally start to prepare. But let's start to prepare now. Let's reconsider. Each one of us has been created by God and privileged with a mission that is unique to us alone. Each one of us is the only one who can complete the world in our particular way. Of course, there are national missions. There are international missions, shared missions. But each one of us, each one of us has something to do that nobody else can complete for us. So here we go, seven weeks. Yes, we had seven weeks between Pesach and Shavuot. We were counting up to a wedding, to a union, to become partners with Hashem in His plan for the world. And the Shabbos after Tisha B'Av, not only is the Haftarah Nachamu Nachamu, double comfort, Be comforted for the destruction of the first temple. Be comforted for the destruction of the second temple. Well, that can only happen when we have the third temple. That can only happen when the Mashiach is here and there is light for all of mankind, clarity, revealed goodness, wisdom, and an awareness of the Creator Himself on a constant basis. In seven weeks' time, we will again crown God King of Vinu Malkenu. We will crown him King. We will ask him to rule over us. We will ask him for a good year, for a new year. We've got seven weeks now to prepare. How does one prepare for Rosh Hashanah? So we look at the Parsha. And the Parsha is a Parsha of prayer a parsha of love. Moshe begins the parsha by saying, I pleaded with God, and that's prayer. We must never stop praying. Prayer is connection. Prayer, as we said last week, is like a child speaking to his father. But the parsha this week has... The prayer of the Shema Yisrael. Six words. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
Shema Yisrael. Hashem, Elokeinu. Hashem, Echad. And the next word, Ve'ahavta, and you shall love. The teaching of Yiddishkeit is based on love. Seven weeks now to show love as a preparation for Rosh Hashanah. To show love for the Creator. But how? How does one show love for the spiritual, infinite Creator? We show love through action. What would make God really, really happy? Well, if we care about his world, primarily about his creatures, more primarily about his children. And we are taught, you want to show love for Hashem? Well, whoever loves the father, Avinu, loves the children. And if you look at other people and you want to show them love, there are so many ways to do it. Obviously, physically to take care of people, to give tzedakah, to make sure that the unfortunate are cared for. But to remember that a human being is not just a body. He's a mind, he's a heart, he's a body, and he's a neshama, he's a soul. And what does the soul need? Each one of us cannot be filled up unless there's a spiritual input. Yes, our tummies can be full with nutritious food, vitamins, minerals. Our bodies can be exercised. Our minds can be stretched. Our hearts can be warmed. But unless we address the soul, we will not feel filled up. We will not feel full. We will not feel satisfied. And in particular... A Jew needs mitzvahs. Mitzvahs, in addition to being vitamins for the soul, mitzvahs are also a connector. The word mitzvah is from the word connection, and every time we do one mitzvah, we connect with Hashem. And of course, on the strength of that connection, blessings flow. We need blessings. We need our minds and our hearts, our bodies and our souls to be nurtured. If any one of them is not, we are not complete. There was a fabrengen. There was a gathering amongst Hasidim many, many years ago. In the time of the first Chabad Rebbe, Rabbi Shneir Zaman of the Yadi. And at that Hasidic gathering, the Hasidim were expressing their innermost desires. They said, L'chaim. They spoke to one another, and they fabrained. They spent time going within. And one of the chassidim, a fine, absolutely um, devout scholar and pious man, raised his cup and said, he said, may God bless me, may I be blessed, that I should truly love God. And after a while, another, at that time, the son, not yet the Rebbe, of the first Rebbe, the Mittler Rebbe to be, Rabbi Doiv Bear raised his cup. And he said, 
may I be blessed to truly love another. And for weeks the Chassidim debated, what's greater, love of God or love of the other? And eventually they had the opportunity to ask the Rebbe himself. We'll be right back after this short break with more of that. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. I'm Mashi Lipsker. Wonderful to be with you on this Erev Shabbos Parshat, Va'etchanan, Vo'eschanan. The Parsha that we read after Tisha B'Av. The Parsha that contains the Shema Yisrael, and it contains the Ten Commandments, the Aseris Hadibris, which is a bad translation for Ten Commandments. It was the ten things that Hashem said that encapsulate the entire Torah. And this week at Shul, we're going to hear them again. But we were talking about a Fabreng and a Hasidic gathering. And the question that proceeded from that gathering was, what is greater, love of God or love of man? Is it to love a fellow Jew or is it to love God himself? And in truth, when they asked the Alter Rebbe, Rabbi Schneir Zalman, what was greater? He answered them in a most interesting way. He explained that when you love what the beloved one loves, that's really expressing love. He says, to love God and to love your fellow Jew is like one thing. He said, because engraved in every Jewish soul is a love for the other. Because the other is part of me and the other is part of God. God says, I love you. I love you, says Hashem. If God loves us, then to love what God loves is greater than loving God himself. It's giving nachas to Hashem. It's giving him so much pleasure. That chosid said, may Hashem enable me to attain a genuine love for him. And the Rebbe's son said, May God enable me to attain a genuine love of my fellow. Can you imagine to really love someone else as you love yourself? We try in life. We work. It's called avoider. We try and refine ourselves. We try and reach spiritual goals. Not to be self-centered, not to be just involved with our own needs and our own greed, but to see the other and to develop a sensitivity, a real sensitivity to the other. The Torah is based on Love your fellow as yourself. And the Rebbe explained that to love your fellow as yourself is actually a commentary on you shall love the Lord your God. In this week's parsha, the Ahafta 
Es Hashem Elokecha. And you shall love the Lord your God. How does a human being love God? And it was explained that when you love another, you love God. Especially because every creation that God has made is an extension of himself. And a Jew has a chilek mimal in him. He has a piece, a chunk. He has an aspect, a real portion of God within him. So when you love him, but you love his inner, his nucleus, his essence, aside of the outward manifestations, you love God. And that is actually the teaching in the Hayom Yom for today. We have a wonderful calendar that the Rebbe of Blessed Memory wrote for Rosh Hashanah 1942. And it wasn't just a calendar. It had things to study, and it had a thought for each day. And the thought for today, which is two days after Tisha B'Av, three days after Tisha B'Av, is that loving your fellow is the way you express your love for God. Because when you love his essence, you're loving God. He's a creation of God. He's got a piece of God in him. And that's what we need to strive for. The externalities of this world, the external physical world, is a cover for its essence, for its true identity, for its spiritual, lasting, infinite component, which is really God himself. Because everything we see in this world is a manifestation of God. Before God created the world, there was just him. By word of mouth, he brought and brings everything into being. And we need to look beyond the obvious. But of course, God put us into a world that is so physical. And the Parsha this week is being addressed by Moshe Rabbeinu to the nation, to the people who are about to enter the land. What does enter the land mean? It means getting involved in material living, in physical living, in corporeal living. They were entering the land. They had to enter it fully. They had to conquer the land. How do we conquer physicality? We have to live it, but we have to live it in a spiritual way. But you can't just pretend. People get married. They have children. They go to work. People have homes to run. That's being involved in the physical. But when the food that you prepare is kosher, when your marriage is based on Torah values like mikveh, when the home is a home that welcomes people like the home of Avraham Avinu, when Shabbos is holy, when education of children is holy, when we care about other people, we welcome them, we feed them, we give tzedakah. When we show that God is the creator of the world through living in nature, but at the same time above nature, we are revealing God in the world. If the temple is burning, we need to fix it. How do we rebuild the temple? 
step by step, day by day, choice by choice, choosing to see the spiritual in the physical, choosing to see everything that happens to us as an act of God and an opportunity to rise up and reveal godliness in that situation. How can we love God? The Tanya, the foremost work of the Alter Rebbe, the basic work of Chabad Hasidus, is a magnificent, magnificent teacher. Gives many ideas as to how we can show our love for God or develop it. There's one which is really, really my favorite. And it basically speaks about an amazing analogy between Hashem rescuing the people from Egypt and developing a relationship with his created beings and the following analogy. And the Alter Rebbe says, when we think about how much Hashem loves us, we will reflect that back to him. How much does Hashem love us? Well, he gave us a day yesterday in which we were breathing, walking, thinking, and that's just the basics. We had something to eat. We were able to communicate. We were able to go to work, to think. And some people are very talented. They were able to dance and sing. Some people are skilled teachers. They were able to connect with their students. People are skilled entrepreneurs. They were able to think of wonderful ways to bring products out there to the public. God's world is multifaceted, and he has so many different creatures. And he doesn't just launch us at the beginning of our life. On a daily basis, God creates and recreates us. He doesn't give up on us. We very often forget about him. We very often don't say thank you. We're not grateful. We're so often in the mode of, what have you done for me today? And guess what? He's good to us. He gives us another day and another chance and another blessing. He showers us with infinite, infinite gifts and blessings. And the biggest gift is life itself and time to do the most wonderful things. When we think about how much Hashem loves us, how many chances he gives us, then just like water reflects the face, you look in the mirror and that same face, if you're smiling, it smiles back at you. Even between equals, one person's loving evokes loving in the other. If your heart is filled with love, it must evoke a loving response in the other person. You know what it's like when you smile, they smile back at you. But imagine if a great and mighty king displays an intense love interest for a commoner. The person is lowly and despised. People don't look up to this person. People look down on him. They denigrate him. But imagine 
if the king himself came knocking at your door. And he comes with his retinue from his palace, and he comes to this person, and he doesn't just associate with him, but he raises him up. He takes him out of his lowly existence, and he doesn't leave him in that tumble-down shack which is so dirty, but he takes him into his own carriage, into his palace, into his innermost private chamber where no servant or lord ever enters, says the Altarebbe in chapter 46 of Tanya. And there he shares the closest companionship. He hugs him. He kisses him. He connects with him. He attaches himself to him with his whole heart and soul. How would that simple person feel? How would that very lowly creature feel? Wow! In his heart, there would be aroused and doubled and redoubled a tremendous love. This common, humble individual will just begin to absolutely respond, to sing, to want to do anything at all for the personage of the king with true attachment of spirit to give back from deep in his heart and his soul, from the depths of his heart, what can I do for you, your majesty? You're so gracious to me. Why do I deserve this? Even if the person's heart is like stone, it will surely melt, says the Altarebbe, and become like water. And then, quoting King Solomon, his soul will pour itself out with yearning, with soulful longing for the love of the king. Hashem loves us. He's constantly, constantly blessing us. And you shall love the Lord your God, we hear in the Parsha this week. And the question is, how do we show love for Hashem himself? Well, the truth is Hashem makes it very simple. Because Hashem tells us exactly how he will feel loved. And basically, we're told in the Medrash in Tanchuma, and we probably say it here every single week, that God desired to dwell amongst us. And we are the ones who can make a dwelling place for God by living in this world, but by living beyond this world. By living, but by also remembering as we go through eating and sleeping and dressing and shopping and working and interacting with people, that everything is an act of God. He has set up this encounter. What does God want me to do? with the person that he brought into my space today. God wants me to love the individual that God loves. He's giving me a chance to be close to him by showing love to the beloved. God loves us. And when we love what the beloved loves, because we love God, God showers us with tremendous blessings, and we are called the children of God. How much would a king reward someone who is kind to his child? 
And in the Parsha this week it says, And you shall love the Lord your God. How can we show our love for Hashem? So in addition to the contemplation and meditation that the Tanya suggests, when we think of how much Hashem loves us, not only to have given us a mission, but to constantly uplift us compared to the King of Kings, who are we? But He's constantly blessing us. He allows us to sleep and become refreshed. He allows us to eat and become energized. He allows us to move and progress. He blesses us with the ability to think, the ability to feel, and the chance to choose to do good. How great must our gratitude be to him. But the example in the Tanya goes a step further. When did God draw us close to him? Very specifically, when he took us out of Egypt and he drew us to Sinai. And there he drew us close to him by revealing to us his innermost desire, his wisdom, and by giving us his mitzvahs. These mitzvahs, it's freezing in here. These mitzvahs are a connector to him on a constant basis. How do we respond? We respond by saying thank you. How do you thank Hashem for the mitzvah? By doing what he wants us to do with it. He wants us to run with it. He wants us to share it. He wants us to become his agent in this world. We are a soul housed in a body, and it is only a soul in a body, not the angels, not the celestial beings, but only we who live in the natural world can make this world a dwelling place for him by actualizing his desire to make this world a place where he can meet with us as in a garden, where we can live together in great joy. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. I'm Mashi Lipsker. After the three weeks, we are blessed to have seven weeks of consolation. And that will take us up to Rosh Hashanah. So we're preparing now for that wonderful time. We know that at Shavuot, Hashem married the nation. And the marriage contract was the Torah and its mitzvahs. And every day needs to be filled with devotion to our partner. Devotion in pleasing the other. And now we prepare for another type of connection. For God connects with us in many loving ways. One is as husband and wife. Another is as sister, as bride, as father to child. And Rosh Hashanah is the time when we connect with God in two ways. One will be as a child to the father because Hashem is Ovinu, our father, and the other as a servant to his king, a devoted, devoted servant, and that's the Malkenu. 
but we've got time now to prepare. And the question is, what is the best way to prepare? I'd like to mention that this coming week, we have a very special festival. It's a minor festival, and yet our sages tell us that there were never as wonderful, wonderful festivals amongst the Jewish people as the 15th day of Av and Yom Kippur. What do they have in common? Interestingly, we mentioned that Shavuot is when God married the nation, but in truth, Yom Kippur is also a marriage. Yom Kippur is the day that Moshe came off the mountain with the second set of tablets, the day when the nation was forgiven, the day which is a day of purity, a day of fasting like a wedding day. There are many analogies. But what used to take place on the 15th of Av? Amazing things. We're told that after the destruction, the difficulty of the 9th of Av, the 15th of Av is a high point. Historically, what happened? Well, it's rooted initially in something tragic. When the Jewish nation was traveling in the desert and the nation that received the Torah at Sinai did not want to leave the desert, they did not want to leave the spirituality, the holiness, and the extremely lofty lifestyle where they didn't have to go to work. They had manna from heaven. They had water from a rock. Their clothes grew with them. They had protection from the clouds of glory. Everything was set up. And they knew that if they would go into the Holy Land, they were told you'd have to get involved in agriculture. You'd have to work the land. You'd have to conquer the land and make it your own. In other words, live a spiritual existence while living a physical life. Remain connected above while you are very firmly rooted in the physical. And they didn't want it. They said, it's going to be too hard. We're not going to succeed. And so Hashem acquiesced. And they died out in the desert. And their children are the ones Moshe is speaking to now. They're the ones who entered the land. Those people in the desert were of a very high level. They were called Doyer Dea, a generation that studied the Torah all the time. They were spiritual. How did they die out? Every year, we're told, on the anniversary of when they said, we don't want to go into the land, which was Tisha B'Av, when the spies came back, came back on the 8th of Av, and the people cried that night. And God said, this will be a day of weeping for generations. And every year, the people who had turned 60 dug bunkers on the eve of Tisha B'Av and lay down in them. And in the morning, 15,000 did not get up. Every year, this continued. And in the last year before they were about to enter the land, they did it again. But when they counted heads in the morning, everybody was there. They thought they had misjudged the date. The next night, they did it again. Got up the next morning and everybody was still there. And they continued to do this until the moon was full. And on the 15th 
of Av, they realized that they had been granted a reprieve, and they too were going to enter the land. And so the 15th of Av has been a day of great celebration ever since. In the Holy Land, it was a day designated for weddings, for shiduchim, for matches. What would happen? We're told that on the 15th of Av, the daughters of Jerusalem would go out in borrowed clothing so as not to shame those who did not have, and they would dance in the vineyards. And when they finished dancing, the young men would come, and the young men would choose wives for themselves. And the women would call out, young man, lift up your eyes and see what you are choosing for yourself. What was the message? Lift your eyes heavenward and be careful what you choose. May God guide you to choose what is truly good for you. And then the beautiful ones would say, choose us for we are beautiful. And spiritually that means they were beautiful within. It's no good to be beautiful without without being beautiful within. If you're not beautiful within, the outer beauty not only fades, but it actually discourages eventually. It turns sour. And so outer beauty can only be sustained and attractive if there's inner beauty. There were those who came from good families, and they said, choose us, because yichas is important. But as the Rebbe points out, we all come from great yichas. We are the children of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah. We must hold our heads up high. We are royalty. And we have a mission, their mission to complete. They were the wealthy ones. And they said, choose us. And each one gave a good reason, but spiritual wealth is... When you're satisfied with what you have. And what a wonderful quality for a wife to be happy with what she has, to feel happy and content. And eventually there's an interesting one. It speaks about the ugly ones, the mechu orois. And they said, choose us. Take us for the sake of heaven. And the question is asked, how the Rebbe asks, how can a girl of that age even think she's not beautiful? A girl of the age of preparing to get married must take time to beautify herself, to refine her skills in physical appearance as well. And the Rebbe says, no, they're humble. They're busy saying, whatever I've got, it's because of the home I was raised in. But if you marry me, I will use my background in a humble way to build a home with you. Is there better than having a wife who wants to give, who has good midas, and who is humble? Wow. And so the lesson of the 15th of Av is to get married, to raise a family, to educate them, to serve God. To live in the world but above the world is one of the greatest acts, one of the greatest services to God that we can possibly hope for. And we know that there's a tremendous amount of people not finding their shidduch in our times. 
And it has now become the custom that on the 15th of Av, you have a big chalabek, international chalabek, and people pray for their children to find a spouse. Remember, the prayers of a mother are powerful. We must remember that God is listening. We must pray, but pray with optimism and joy. And please, God, we'll be able to have tremendous amount of nachas. And the Rebbe was once addressing a women's convention. I remember it. In the middle of passionately encouraging the women to reach out to other women, to continue their activism on behalf of the nation, he stopped. And very earnestly, he said an amazing thing. He said, but when a woman dresses her children in fresh clothing, feeds her children nutritious food, and goes around her home at night, making sure that the windows are closed and no draft is blowing in on her child, this too is avoida Sashem, the holy work of serving God. Living in the world, but bringing holiness and spirituality in the, into the everyday. Seeing our children as souls entrusted into our hands by the one who is the true father of the child, and that's Hashem himself. Seeing the privilege and the responsibility, as we learn in the Parsha this week, how do you love God? And you shall love the Lord your God, Vishi, non tom levonecha. Never stop teaching your children. Teach them diligently. Vishinantam means to do it over and over again. Lishanot. Make it sharp for them. We need to educate the next generation with joy, with optimism, to know God, to be connected to God, and that's only through mitzvahs. Of course, the example of the mother and of the father is lasting. The way you raise a child will be with him for the rest of his life. Building communities is important. We've got to go to work. We've got to serve. We've got to give. But building our own children is Kodesh Kodoshim, holy of holies. We need to remember it's not mundane. It's not lowly. It is the privilege and the responsibility. And that's how you build the world. You build the leaders of the next world, secure children, love children, and spiritually nurture children. If you really love your child, you want to give him the best, the best food, the best education, the best of mitzvahs, the best teacher who will teach your child who he truly, truly is, a child of God. It's another wonderful story that, speaking of marriage, etc., um, there's a story with the Rebbe. And the Rebbe was talking to someone in a personal conversation, somebody who had come to visit the Rebbe, and the Rebbe got the sense that this visitor had a little bit of commitment phobia. Wasn't, wasn't so easy for him to commit, as it is with so many of our young people in today's times. And the Rebbe said, why aren't you married yet? And he asked it very gently and kindly. 
And the young man said, well, I don't feel I'm ready for marriage. Does that sound familiar? Lots of young men there, 35 years old. They're not yet ready for marriage. The girls are ready. I'm not yet ready for marriage. And the Rebbe said a powerful thing, and I hope all the single young men out there who have cold feet are listening. He said, getting married is like learning to swim. You don't learn to swim by reading a book about swimming. You have to jump into the water. He says the same is true for marriage. You learn about marriage by being married. Because some things in life can only be learned by doing. I speak to parents and they're busy saying, oh, my child is too young. He's not yet earning a living. That's the other thing we need to mention. The wife brings the parnosa. It's a strong Jewish teaching that the sustenance, the income that the husband brings is in the merit of the wife. So instead of waiting and waiting and waiting that I should be able to have money in the bank, I should first buy a house. And the mothers of the daughters are also saying, what in the world does he do? Does he do meaning? Does he do to earn a living? You know what you have to do to earn a living? You have to get married. Your wife will bring you good luck. Your wife will bring you parnosa. But there's only one mitzvah that you can test God in. And that is the mitzvah of giving tzedakah. We are assured that the more we give, the more he will give us. And apparently he gives ten times the amount. He's a very good partner to have. Oh, we live in great times. We're moving toward Rosh Hashanah. We have a Parsha this week that has the Ten Commandments. It has the Shema. We live in amazing times because the temple is being built by every one of our actions. And shortly, the time of Mashiach will be here. We need to move forward in life. We need to increase in love, in goodness, in kindness. Even if we're suffering, the way to uplift ourselves is to show love. So I'm going to end with a painful but important story. In the early days of the Rebbe becoming Rebbe, there was a Holocaust survivor. He came to the Rebbe. He poured out his heart. It was tragic. My entire family was murdered. I cannot sleep at night. I relive the horrors I've seen. And I have decided never to get married and bring children into this dark world. Does that sound like something people say? And apparently the Rebbe looked deeply into his eyes and said, Given your terrible loss, I understand your feelings. And then he said, Just know that your entire family is watching you and they care deeply about you. He said, If you live the life of a dead person, you're continuing the tragedy of their death. But if you live a life of love, you will bring them comfort. And the man insisted, but I cannot get married. I just don't trust people anymore. So the Rebbe said to him, but you can always love kinderlach, children. He said, find a way to show children unconditional love. 
And this will bring light back into your life. Even on the hard days, when you're not in the mood, just do it. And the man took the Rebbe's advice to heart. Until the end of his days, he could be seen distrib- distributing sweets and good cheer to children in his shul. And until his passing day, it brought him happiness. Because if you really want to be alive, you must love. Have a wonderful Shabbos. The Shabbos that has the Shema, which speaks about loving. Let's bring more love into the lives of other people. And thereby, we will find that we are closer to Hashem. You want to love God? Love people. Let's shower his creations with positivity and love. Have a good Shabbos and a good Tomid.